My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh, and this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steeler country. I'm your host, Tony. I have Mike and Joe with me. We're going to continue. This is our. This is the last part of our awards podcast, part three. Tonight, we're going to be doing Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and MVP. All right, our next category is going to be Defensive Player of the Year. This one's a little shorter, hopefully. Uh, we have only five players on this list, uh, and I think this uh, this probably should be pretty easy, I hope. Uh, Ryan Shazier, Lawrence Timmons, Stephon Tuitt, James Harrison, Bud Dupree. Now, Bud Dupree did win our most potential. Uh, so does that disqualify him from also then winning the Player of the Year defensively? I mean, I don't think he was. I don't think he was the player of the year. I I didn't think he was because he didn't play the whole season, and so that would be a factor. But then when you think, well, he only played half the season, and, well, their their winning streak kind of started when he started playing more and more. So you've got to factor that in. Yeah. Who who would you remove right now from this list if you had to pick one? um, I'd start with Tuit. I probably I I could see to it coming off. Yeah, uh, he's in the top five. He is in the top five. It's hard because um, I don't know. Uh, wait a second. Wait. I mean, I was kind of, I was agreeing with that, but is is to it less of a factor on the defense? I mean, that's what you're talking. We're talking about. Forget about whether they're improved over last year or not. No, no, yeah. In, this is this is the, the best season. 2016 season. Who were the most important defensive players yeah. on the field? And you're going to say Tuit's not one of the one of the well, three most mm, important. God. Especially, I know now. Yeah, especially when Cam Hayward's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right? Well, do we take uh, that? No, I, think, I guess you have to take that into consideration. I mean, if you had to take, I mean, do you do it this way? If you had to take one of these guys off the field for the championship game, who would it be? I mean, who would you? Who's the least guy you'd want to take off the field for the biggest game of the season? Uh, um, oh god! Or the last guy, I should say, the last guy you want to take off the field. Who's the first guy you take off of this list? Yeah, Tony likes to go do a countdown. Do backwards. I mean, you can kind of make a case for James Harrison because he doesn't necessarily play every single down, but he kind of did. I like I like the story of James Harrison being in our top three because he he did make a difference. He yeah, helped. No, no, no I, I agree. I agree. I would take – well, we're talking about Defensive Player of the Year. Bud didn't play half the year. So that kind of disqualifies him. God, this is a tough list. Does that, does that mean – It is, but um, I Tom think – Tom Brady two, can't win MVP? The two that, the two that come off are, have got to be Dupree and Shazier because they had the least impact on the defense. We're going to argue about Shazier in a second. I agree with you on Dupree. Are we all good with taking Dupree off the list? I am because he only you know he only played half the year and only because he won most potential. I'll call him. <laughs> he has he has potential, which means he has a long way to go. Yeah, he has some way to go. He has a way. To, I don't think he has he's, a long way. he's 
but he has a he's walking away with hardware already. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So this leaves us with four. We need to get rid of one. Now you said Shazier. Okay. Oh, um, I do because I mean Timmons is an important. Import, I mean he's got the most tackles most seasons. I know. I don't know what he, he did last year. this year. He had a great. He had. He had 114. Shazier had 87. That was first and second. Oh, I almost. I know we. We. You guys are right. We do need to remove Shazier. But man, he's so good. I mean, he is he is really, really good. He had an interception. Not saying he's not good. He's on the damn list here. We're just not putting him in the top three. <laughs> I don't know if I'd remove him. He had an interception or in, in something like uh what? Four games in a row or something? He had a turnover, I'm sorry. In like three or four games in a row. Yeah, including he does have games. a nose for the ball. You're right. You're right. He does have a nose for the ball. Uh Timmons had Timmons had a, a no, Timmons Timmons had the biggest plays of the year. Which are the interception against the Giants, the interception against Cincinnati. Um, you know, he had he was like, although Shazier. Had the I, same I thing. just think it's the it's the it's the you know what it is. It's it's Shazier. Shazier is coming off in my my opinion. It's just because of the because of the veteran experience. Timmons just I mean he's just if you took him off the defense, the defense is lost without him. This in the 2016, maybe 2017 is different. Yeah. But for what we looked at this year, I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I think, I think the three big impact players on defense are Timmons, Tuit, and Harrison. And there's just no, uh, there's no three bigger impact players on the defense in 2016. I agree with you. I just have a really hard time mm. taking Shazier off. No, I would, I was thinking Timmons, Harrison, and Shazier, and remove Tuit. Maybe remove to it. To it was such a night and day when he came on and off. I mean, the think about the run. Think about the problems we had running the football. Or that, that, that is what I. That what is was the I, game. He, yeah, when he what, came he, back, the the the, the sieve he, that was the running defense kind of closed up a little bit. He got hurt against the Dolphins when what's his Ajay went for two hundred, right? Uh, yes. To it was not in that game. Yes. Did, how many games did Shazier play? Um, 14, I think. He, okay, he didn't miss many. He missed three games, so he played 13. He only started in 12. He didn't start against New England. He barely played against New England. Are you going to allow a tie? Let us have uh, three runner-ups? That's a cop-out. It is a cop-out. Of course it is. This is tough. This is tough. All right, so if you cut Shazier, then he's just going to have that incentive for next year. You think we're going to put a fire under his ass for next year because he didn't Not at all. win our awards? <laughs> if that's what it takes, he should retire. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to win anything this year. That's crazy. He's not even going to be on any list. He's made the Pro Bowl. He did make he was the our only guy out there. He was great in the Pro Bowl too. All right, yeah. I'm good for taking Shazier off. Mike? All right. All right, let's do I'll it. I'll concede. All right, so now we gotta we gotta pick a winner: Lawrence Timmons, Stefan Tua, James Harrison. Timmons, last hurrah. I'm with you. I think well, Timmons was very, very, very. He was the he was the stable force, but but man, James Harrison made some humongous plays this year. Yeah. Now Timmons didn't he improve himself on uh, pass coverage? Yes. I mean, maybe, but then he, but then he was a liability great, against England. But I mean. But who wasn't? Who wasn't? But 
Ted, Ted I mean, we, he's rock solid, but um, you know, to me, I, I just remember saying this throughout the whole season, early in the season, late in the season. James Harrison is the best playmaker we have on this defense, and that is scary because he's not going to be around much longer. Um, and he is, and he was for the whole 2016. The playmaker on the defense was James Harrison. He caused the most havoc for the opposing offenses. And all of those interceptions, all those fumble recoveries, all those other, all the sacks that the other guys got, many, many, many of them were were instigated. The catalyst for those things happening was James Harrison messing up the the offense. Um, the, the guy is held on practically every pass rush he goes on. The, 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 I mean, think about. Oh, think he about had the, yeah, that's right. The, he had that play where he got two held. Point conversion, conversion thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me. Yeah. Go ahead. Let, let me just say this. I was going to make a case for him in that he had one of the biggest plays against the Dolphins, where the Dolphins, right before the halftime or right before the, yes, the yes. at the end of the half, right, they were going to go down and score and, get, and make it a game, and he caused the fumble and stopped that. So he basically turned that game around, if you will, and then um, or, or made sure it did not turn around. Then obviously he got held on the two point conversion, which ended up being at least the play of the game, or the one that was talked and, and about. And it was a, lot a serious afterwards. hold, and it's it's just yeah. because of the it's yeah. because of the relentlessness that he is. He puts the the. I mean, Tony talked about how hard it is to play left tackle in the league. He just puts on some of the best players in the league. He puts so much pressure on them. Um, they know they have to make a play, and it's a two point conversion. The guy knows. He's got to make a play. He's got to give his quarterback a chance. So he holds a little bit and he got caught. Yeah. Um, and that's a credit to James Harrison. He gets held on every freaking play. Um, so he basically, I mean, I'm not only, I'm not only nominating this guy for the, for the MVP. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, I, I, everybody knows my favorite stealer in history has been Jack Lambert for all these years. And, and he was, he was a, he was a, a great, great stealer linebacker. And, and, but I, I think, I think my favorite, my favorite stealer of all time now is James Harrison because of this this renaissance portion of his career. I mean, it just sets him apart, even from the special guys like Greg Lloyd and and um, and and uh, uh, Jack Lambert. I mean, nobody's nobody's had this renaissance of their career. Maybe yeah. maybe Rod Woodson would have if the Steelers didn't trade they him away. Him around, yeah. That is. That is a that is a, a <laughs> but any other... of the any of the BS talk of James Harrison not making the the Hall of Fame uh, is ridiculous when you consider it's BS talk. Yeah, when you consider how long he or how, how long his career has gone and how well he's playing, you know, past the age and how his and how his career started. Yeah, to be cut yeah. several times. Yeah, and stick around and and not give up. How about this though? I mean, after the it was after the Kansas City game, right? They got back late that morning, and and, and we got uh, Instagrams of him. Uh, yeah, and he's working, working out, out at five in the morning. Yeah, incredible. And, and then there, and then there was the and one more tidbit: the interview. Um, I think it was Andrea Kramer or somebody. Anyway, um, he said he spends like three hundred thousand dollars a year on his body. Yeah, and, you know, basically acupuncture. Which some people and, took that the wrong way. You know, three hundred thousand dollars. He's thirty-eight. What are you trying to do? He, he he says he says he's 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 never failed a drug test. Right? No, and he hasn't. And he is. So? And he was drug tested twice in the same friggin' week. Thanks, NFL. Yeah. yeah no, I I agree with Joe. He wins. I think he wins. For <laughs> well, me. well, I mean, he listen. He is in the mold of of in Steeler tradition. There's there are several Steelers in history um, where there have been rule changes. 
you know, starting with Chuck Knoll and 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 the and the draft and moving the draft back from February to April or whenever it is now, um, and uh, um, the Mel Blunt rule, uh, and and now you know, not that long ago we had the James Harrison rule. This whole you know, how are you allowed to hit a quarterback high, low? Can you touch his face? Can you all that stuff? That's all the James Harrison rule, and I don't know that they yeah. call it that, but um, but there was. There was a season not that long ago where they where the the sports media uh, owned, you know, they they lived up to their to the amount of of my hatred for them, um, where they made James Harrison's play on the field into public enemy number one. Um, this he guy was suspended is, that year. He is he is he is the personification of of the quintessential linebacker of his era um and and there i mean he's he's made he's made play unbelievable play after unbelievable play made made differences for this team through his entire career and he's and he has arguably one of the two or three best plays in super bowl history um uh you know he's really and truly it's it's not even just an mvp it's a lifetime achievement award for this guy well we're not allowed to do that but I agree with you. He, he, well, I'll give him for 2016. Yeah, he was the he was the he was whatever success, big big or little on the 2016 defense. He he was the he was the most important part of it. Yeah. Well, we talked about it. He single handedly won both playoff games, right? With the two plays I talked about, and I can't find it, but I'm I'm going to guess that again, the game against the Ravens, he had a big play in that, and basically won that game too. Uh, Can we think I was of a play in there? That. No, I don't think he did, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. But you know the defense didn't exactly have a maybe he, fantastic game. Maybe he just intimidated Flacco. All right, so that's going to be our defensive player of the year, James Harrison. Runners up are Lawrence Timmons and Stefan Tuitt, and then the secret runner up, not on the list, is also Ryan Chazier because he was also really, really good this year, and uh, he didn't deserve to come off. But we can only pick three. All right, let's skip. We're gonna we're gonna skip offensive player of the year. We're gonna go down to MVP because it gets less interesting if we do it uh, the other way. So let's just award Le'Veon Bell our MVP, and then we can move on to uh, to offensive player. Does that sound good? Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, there's really no argument here. Le'Veon Bell was, uh, you know, and, and we said this two years ago when he was great, and we, you know, we knew he was great. Um, but my God, it's just so fun to watch him play and and his patience and his unique running style. He compared himself to Steph Curry this year and got a lot of flack for that. Um, but he shouldn't have because he's he's as good uh, as he thinks he is, um, and he had a fantastic year, you know, which is summarized in that game against Buffalo, a game in the snow on the road, um, just dominated, uh, one of the b- best rushing performances I've ever seen in my life. And our runners up will be, I guess, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I mean, agree, yeah. All right, so that removes Le'Veon. Again, if you if this is your first time listening to us do the awards this way, if you win, should, should should we should we just totally ignore the offensive line and just go with the flash players? I mean, I know the flash players are are important, and the team changes a lot. But um, you know, when you watch that offensive line uh, blocking DeCastro or or um, Pouncey, uh, the center Pouncey, yeah. One of those two guys really ought to be involved in, the, in that in, list. In MVP, 
uh, well, either MVP or offensive player of the year. Well, let's do uh, offensive. Let's, see, let's do offensive. I don't player see them on either list. Yeah. No, they. Um, oh, you. Yeah. Refresh. Okay. MVP. MVP. You can go with the with the three Bs there. That's yeah. fine. Re- refresh yeah. your refresh your page because I, I added them to the offensive player list. I've made some modifications since you guys have taken. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Okay. Offensive player of the year. Ben Ro- okay, our lists our nominees are Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Eli Rogers. So sorry. So from that list, we have two off. I put two two offensive linemen on there because I agree with you, Joe. We cannot. Yes, we made Villanueva most improved player of the year, but we cannot uh, take away from the fact that. Pouncey and DeCastro are uh, two of the best offensive linemen in football. And Pouncey, probably the best center in football. And not only are these two the best, um, two of the best offensive linemen in football, but they are two of the most athletic offensive linemen in football. And they allow us a lot of flexibility in that they can pull on any play. They pull and they get downfield. And they, and they yes. You see these guys 10 yards down the field regularly. Right, and I think that it, it plays into the rushing style that Le'Veon has, that he can be patient, and he can be patient downfield, right? He can be patient five yards past the line of scrimmage because Pouncey's still down there blocking for him and DeCastro's still down there blocking for him. Um, you know, it's it's that play in Buffalo where he had – it's the very early in the game, and it looks like he cut, he gets past the line, he runs into the line of scrimmage, uh, or pass the line of scrimmage for like a five-yard gain. He runs into a pile, and it seems like that's it. And then he bounces out of that pile and uh, off for like a 30-yard gain. Um, I think, yeah, it's those plays are, you know, if we just had the big lumbering 400-pound offensive lineman, the sumo wrestler uh, offensive lineman, I think Le'Veon would still be a good running back, but he is def- he has definitely the marriage between his rushing style and our offensive line's athleticism is like, you know, it's a match made in heaven. So I don't know who you removed from this list. I mean, I guess you have to remove Eli. And then we have to argue about Ben. Does that make sense? Remove Eli? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Eli can come off of there. Okay. Let me make the argument for Ben Roethlisberger not making Offensive Player of the Year at all. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger... I think think you've made it the whole season. I have made it the whole season. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger turns the ball over too often. Uh, And he is considered an elite quarterback. He is considered uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, He did not have that type of season. Um, You know, the... Down the stretch, we were not a team that was flashy and was... um, was capable of putting up 30 points, right? We were much more of a run the football. Um, I don't want to call it game management, but it kind of was like game manager style uh, of, you know, Bill Cower. And that stuff is predicated on you not turning the ball over. Um, ben Roethlisberger turned the ball over too often. It didn't end up costing us like I thought it would. Uh, so I, it's, it's hard for me to say, well, you know, Ben cost us a season because he didn't. But still, you know, when we when we think about Ben Roethlisberger, we want – we as Steeler fans want to put him in that upper echelon. We want to say, oh yeah, he's up there with, with Aaron Rodgers. He's up there with Tom Brady. He's up there with Matt Ryan, right? Um, but this year, he was a little off. 
just from a turnover perspective. And then, you know, you, we can go over the on the road and at home thing. Um, but. All right. So, so before Mike, you know, jumps in, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, sorry, Mike, I normally do not agree when you do this to Ben because you are too quick to, to dump on Ben. And, and in Ben's defense, most years, we just we just go okay yeah without Ben we have no offense so he automatically wins you know the mo- he's the most valuable player on the offense or the whole team and so he's out of the competition we don't even we just he's just like a he's like a run runaway automatic um, but but this year this year uh, the team Ben didn't hoist the team on his shoulders like he has in uh, in past seasons um, and and will them into the playoffs. Um, so I, I don't really have a problem with you saying, Hey, you know what? Um, I, I still don't think the team could get anywhere without Ben. No, 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 of I, course I mean, not. It's great. Not, I'm grading him on a curve. I'm not saying yeah. he's a bad quarterback. I'm saying he's bad no, for the quarterback we know him to be. Um, but, uh, but he, he didn't do his normal, his normal, like, holy crap. How did Ben do that? Um, this year. And, and he, there were, there were some very disappointing turnovers this year. Um, red zone turnovers in the end zone turnovers, um, just inexplicable stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you this time. When normally I do. All right, Mike. Well, okay. So all right. So I'll, here we go. So Ben, um, you know, he didn't. When Ben is Ben, he throws for four thousand yards or more. And he has 30 touchdowns and, you know, 10 interceptions or less. So, you know, that's, that's the, that's where Ben should be. Oh, wait a second. He missed a couple of games and he still threw for 3,800 yards. Oh, wait a second. He threw for 29 touchdowns. Oh, wait. He, he, he had interceptions, but how many interceptions do you think he had? 15, you know? 17. Yeah, I would say about 15 or so. Well, the stats I'm looking at, which could be wrong. They say thirteen. Does and granted, he did miss a couple of games. Ben's mother, and, and it was, uh, and it was a couple of. Um, I mean, there were key interceptions, and his passer rating. This isn't the QBR. This is the rating. Was ninety five point four. So, I mean, it may have seemed like he had, you know, not a stellar year, but his stats say that it was a good season, and maybe even a great season. Maybe not superb like the elite quarterbacks, but. Um, I'm going to agree with you guys that that uh, he can be removed from the list just based on the other players on the list. So, yeah. Um, but oh, if you if you surprising. do if yeah, I know, but if you do play the game like we did with the with the defense of MVP or defensive player of the year, and say what is the le- last player you take <laughs> well, out of the game, you know, Ben automatically wins it's the position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right, right. Ben wins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's not the yeah. game we're playing. So, so we're not. I mean that we it's always with an asterisk like okay yeah we're dissing Ben a little bit here but we know this team's not winning the division without him so you know I got to say him? I I was surprised to see 29 and 13 also for touchdowns and interceptions but my biggest thing on, on him was that he played his worst games um either when he was injured or when they just the whole team got shellacked by Philadelphia and people just love to say that Ben can't play on the road it was, it almost goes back to Back when he first started, there was like, oh, anytime Ben throws, you know, more than twenty passes, they lose. Well, guess what? You're throwing more than twenty passes because you're losing by ten, and and you didn't catch up this game. 
So yeah. arguably his best. It's why it's why I always shit all over. Don't stats. like stats. I know because right. they don't tell you about what happened in this. When I need you to throw, when and it, when it goes back to the Neil O'Donnell thing, I need a completion from you, Mister Highest Completion Percentage in NFL History at quarterback. I need a game winner. Okay, give me a stat on how many game winners I got out of yeah. Neil O'Donnell. I guarantee you it's it's what they call in space when there's no heat whatsoever. It's called absolute zero. <laughs> you actually okay? bring up a That's good point with a good is. argument with him. He had the lowest like interception percentage, and it was because he didn't take chances basically, right? And and Ben and Favre and guys like that, they take chances, and guess what happens sometimes? They throw interceptions. So, you know, over a course of a season, they add up to 13 where a few of them may have been because the receiver wasn't in the right spot or a tip pass went up in the air. I just, you know, I think, so be it. yeah, I, I, but he could be off the list. Yeah, I think he's got to be off the list just because of how he played. See, to me, the reason he's off the list is because how he played down the stretch. When we, when we were four and five, and we needed to win every single game down the stretch, you know, he had that three interception game against Buffalo, and yeah, we won it, but it was a bad performance by his part. And then, I mean, his probably his worst and best game were the same game, right? That's the Ravens game. I mean, he had two killer yeah. interceptions in that game, but then made up for it by having the greatest drive of winning the game. Yeah, he's had since Super Bowl, but in the and the, I mean, I pointed out in the Kansas City game, I think he threw a couple of touchdown passes that weren't actually caught, right? Dropped or whatever. And then even in, even against New England, there was there were several drops in that game that at least could have made a difference early. All right. Does anyone want to make an argument for one of the offensive linemen to win over Antonio Brown for Offensive Player of the Year? Uh, yeah, I do. Which one do you? I mean, Brown had a good season, but and Brown took over some key games in the stretch. Um, but uh, there were some times when they just shut him down, and um, and he just you know we just didn't hear from him. Um, I think for consistency, uh, I, I, I like and, and and here's the thing: is these guys are often forgotten. Okay, so in a in a year when you know we were supposed to have this this high-flying offense that was supposed to score 30 points every game and then kicked six field goals in a playoff game um, on the road against a lackluster, one of the most lackluster, unexciting playoff teams you can imagine, okay? Um, the the How much do you love the Chiefs? I, I got to say, you know, where, where why am I, I going to, why am I going to, gonna hoist accolades upon upon all of my big guys who couldn't score against the chiefs um you know and that, but and the, the chiefs is just the worst example of it you've talked about the cincinnati game where there were another bunch of field goals scored because we couldn't get in the end zone that's that's a that's a problem for the skill positions that's not the offensive lines fault um that we're not getting in the uh, end zone. wait from well, the one yard it, line well it, well, do we run it from the one yard line, or do we run the goddamn spread from the one yard line? Um, <laughs> well, the New England game we ran it twice with D'Angelo and couldn't get in. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, yeah. So then maybe that's an argument against this. So I'm going to just throw it out there. I'm not. I'm not like dug in on it. If you guys could probably talk me out of it, but I'm going to. I'm going to say Pouncey. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say it because you know we suffer without Pouncey. When Pouncey's hurt, uh, we suffer. And when Pouncey's not hurt. Things just seem to go better, and you know I don't think that correlation is 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 um, presented enough on our podcast, and certainly not in the media. Um, 
So, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you know what? Let's give the nod to Pouncey this year because the offense was very, very consistent. It moved the balls in between the, you know, between the twenties um, w- with ease. And then, and then, you know, that you can't get it in from from up close. Well, I, I don't necessarily blame that on on the offensive line, I, I, but I do I do say all that consistency um, is a direct result of the of the uh, of of solid offensive line play, and it's anchored by the center, Pouncey. Yeah, let, let me let me make it. Yeah, let me let me support that argument real quick. So, if we don't give this award to Antonio Brown, right? Um, I don't think it's a slight on him. I think it's just what this season was about. You know, we're going to remember 2016 not for being a high-flying offense and not really for um, a lot of the things that Antonio Brown did other than his his stretch, right? I mean, the stretch was incredible, and I don't want – and not giving him this award, I don't think does – you know, we're not taking that play away either. But, you know, look, Antonio was shut down this year, not even because Antonio's not good, but because this team couldn't find a number two, Right. And injuries to, to Wheaton and injuries to Sammy Coates and Martavis Bryant's suspension and injuries to Darius Hayward Bay, right, just meant – and Darius Green meant that every person that the Steelers thought could be their number two guy um, just never materialized. And so it meant that covering A.B. was a lot easier, right? You could literally double team him on every single play and just know that, yeah, I'm going to make Kobe Hamilton beat us or I'm going to make Eli Rogers beat us or I'm going to make Jesse James beat us. It's a lot easier to do that. And I don't think – you know – big. I don't think it's a slight to Antonio to say, oh, well, you know, you only put up 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns against double coverage, right? But that's what happened this year. Uh, but what happened also this year is that the offensive line really gelled into uh, a great top offensive line led by our best offensive lineman, Marquise Pouncey. And we established uh, one of the best running games in the NFL behind the best running back in football, and they complemented each other so well. You know, we're going to look back at 2016 as the ground and pound year, um, not the high-flying year. And it's again, it's not, it's not a slight against Brown. It's really a slight against, you know, Todd Haley's creative use of Brown and not being able to get him out of those double teams. Um, but it's not like he had a bad year either. It's just It just was the, the situation that he was in. So I, I would second Pouncey. Okay. Um... Let me think about that because my initial thought, and maybe everyone's is, is you know it's either going to be Bell or Brown for Offensive Player of the Year MVP. I mean, so, so when you look at Browns, I'm going to be stat boy here. And if you say you know 75 yards or better is a good game mm-hmm. in a game, um, you want to guess how many games he had more than 75 out of the 15 he played Ten, regular season? Ten. He had eight. Um, oh, oh, sorry, Joe. Wow. And okay. and then and I lowered it from eighty to seventy-five, which gave him two more because he had like a seventy-six and a seventy-eight in there. So that's kind of, that was a little surprising to me, also. Which kind of goes to your, hey, you really need the number two, or maybe it's a little bit, maybe a diss on him or the offense in that. Had he, you know, been had a monster year like he's had in the past, you'd be like, well, we don't really need a number two. We only need a number one because he's getting 100 yards every game, 150 some games. So, but but here's the thing: down the stretch, starting with really the the Baltimore game, that was the last regular season game he played. He had 96 yards in that game, and then the playoff games were 124, 108, and 77. Yeah, I mean, so the money games he came to play, and they came to stop him, and they couldn't stop him. You know, well, maybe the Patriots did it to a degree. So 
anyway, with all that said, um, I agree with what you said about, hey, this was the year of the running game. I mean, I, I like Le'Veon Bell for uh, NFL player of the year. It would have been – you would have had a better argument if they actually made the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, that all starts with the offensive line, and I like Pouncey. He made a difference this year. He was hurt a lot last year. Is that right? He was hurt the entire year, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean – it makes a difference. They could just do a lot more with him pulling and maybe having two guys that can pull makes a big difference. And at some point I want to um, read Le'Veon's stats. I don't know if we want to do this to try to boost uh, Pouncey a little bit sure. here. Yeah. But okay. So just real quick here, Le'Veon had, um, these are total yards. Well, no, I'll go rushing yards first. 1,268 rushing yards, which is 97.5 per game. Cause he only played 13 games. Right. Actually, actually, he probably started. It, he was number one. Yeah, you know what? He only played twelve games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you take the number, it's like one of the highest totals in in league yeah. history. Okay, you guys go on. I want to redo my math. Yeah, yeah, redo, yeah, yeah. No, because I, I remember looking at this. His yards <laughs> per game from scrimmage this it's year going to get better. Yeah, is one hundred and fifty six, one hundred fifty seven. I think, which is like second all time, yeah. only to Priest Holmes, I think, or something like that. It's. It's insane. Yeah, I heard. I did hear that on a broadcast, and uh, so I, I just think that that you know Le'Veon's success um, is an extension of the offensive line, and and I think you have to give the best player on the offensive line the offensive player of the year. Then, if your MVP is Le'Veon Bell, then your offensive player of the year has to be the offensive line and the best player on that line. It's not just it's not just that it's Le'Veon Bell. It's Le'Veon Bell going away, right? I mean, it is not. It wasn't even a, our, yeah, our MVP discussion it's, wasn't a discussion. No, it's not even close. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. just a. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I and, want to uh, talk about his stats. You, a little talk bit. about league MVP. He's definitely in the conversation. Um, and yeah, if you take it over the, if you if you amortize it over the twelve games that he played in the regular season, it's not even a contest there either. Right. Yeah, and, and to go back to Antonio Brown, right? You know, and again, this is not like a huge slight on him, but when he, but in two thousand and thirteen, when he was playing alongside, um, uh. Emmanuel Sanders, he had 1,500 yards receiving. When he's, the two years he played alongside uh, Bryant, he had 1,700 and 1,800 yards. And then this year, with no second receiver, he had 1,300, right? It's not like he had a huge drop-off this year. It's, it's not like he fell off the map. But, um, but there were definitely times where you felt like, man, where is Antonio? Um, you know, I remember like the beginning of – like the, the first three quarters of Baltimore stand out to me as like, hey, that was – and then, and then the early parts of uh, New England were the same thing. It was like, man, where is Antonio? Hey, am I on mute? No, Can yeah, you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Okay, okay. So I got the I got the stats here. So basically, really quick, he played uh, twelve games, had twelve hundred sixty eight yards rushing, which is one hundred five per game, and that is uh, fifteen sixty. I'm sorry, sixteen eighty nine for a sixteen game season mm-hmm. if you prorate it out. Yep. So he he had uh, for twelve games he had eighteen eighty four total yards counting rushing and receiving mm-hmm. which is 157 per game and when you prorate that out to 16 games that's 25 12 yeah that may be close to the record so priest holmes may have the record i think priest what, what would you say his total rushing yards would have been his total rushing would have been 1689 that would have led the league yeah and it was only 105 per game that's not great i mean you know i mean the record's over 2000 Right or twenty one oh five something in there. But again, this but is a league. This the, is a league the, in which 
The number one rusher was Ezekiel Elliott with 1631. The number two is Jordan Howard with 13, thir- you know, 1300, yeah. right? What's the total yards? Le'Veon had the fifth most rushing yards, and he only played in 12 games. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. It's, but the total yards that were prorated to 25, 12, I yeah. mean, most he's a monster. And guess what? Guess what? He was missed a little bit in the AFC Championship game. Uh, he was missed a lot. I would say, yeah. He was, uh, so the most ever is... Uh, what? Uh, is OJ Simpson 2000... Oh, no, that's rushing yards. God. We start from scrimmage. Look at this. Uh, no, no. Here, no, no. Single yards. Not single game. No, no. This is not... Nothing. Nothing. I can't find it. I can't what find it. What is the rushing record? Is the rushing record 2105 Eric Dickerson? That's still the record. So he... Yeah, I mean, he may have had more than 2500 that year. If he had three or four hundred yards receiving. Oh wait, hold on. I can find it by going year by year. Okay, yards from scrimmage most ever. Chris Johnson, twenty five oh nine. Well, Avian would have beat it twenty five twelve. There you go. Three yards and a cloud he, of he dust. He literally would have had the greatest season of a running back ever. Uh, so they're or, talking or about receiver. They're talking about changing the uh, the substance abuse rule. Yes. Or whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, I think we should just make it the Rooney rule, another Rooney rule. The uh, Rooney rule 2.0, the Le'Veon rule. Or the Martavis Yeah, Le'Veon rule. and Martavis. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You know. It's a Steeler rule. All right, so that'll, that'll be our Offensive Player of the Year. Marquise Pouncey will win. Antonio Brown, David DeCastro are our runner-up. Uh, and that's going to do it, guys. We have given out every award for 2016. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure doing this podcast with you guys. I'm sure the guys appreciate uh, winning this award from Steeler Country. Absolutely. We'll we'll send them awards in the mail. I'm sure they'll be (laughs) super happy. Tony, thank you for inviting me back. It's another another great season of Steeler football, another AFC championship uh, game season. Yep. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Everyone in the books. Uh, I'll be back next week to do some um, free agency stuff. We should be getting getting close to the combine, I think. Doing my time math here. Uh, no, we should be getting close to the combine and, and free agency. We'll have a lot to talk about with that. So I'll be back next week to talk about that stuff. And I'll be continuing to do to do podcasts all the way through the draft. Um, so we'll be back here next week. You can, If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. The website is SteelerCountryPodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash SteelerCountry. And you can find this podcast and all the other podcasts we've done on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, anywhere you can find podcasts, we're on there. Search Steeler Country. We'll see you next week.